Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a series of programs on the subject of divorce and remarriage, and this program is a continuation of the previous broadcast. Now, in this series of programs, I have explained that you need to hear every program one after the other. In this program, I'm going to be talking about Matthew chapter 19 with regards to the subject of divorce and remarriage. And I explained earlier that it is very important that you listen to each program one at a time in the order that I have produced them. Otherwise, you are going to have a serious problem keeping up with what I am explaining. And this program is definitely, without question, going to be one of those programs. If you have not heard the previous programs, you are going to be totally lost in this program because I'm going to make a number of assumptions. The assumptions are going to be simple. You have heard all the programs before this program, which is a total of 11 programs up to this point. This is the 12th one in this series. And so if you have not heard the previous programs and you are listening to this program, please understand that I am assuming a lot. I am assuming a lot about what you know, about what you understand, and I would seriously encourage you to go to the radio archive at livinggodministries.net or ask me for the audio CDs and listen to all the programs one after the other and then listen to this one again because this is a huge subject and because of that I have to proceed and move on in the scriptures. Now, in today's program, I am in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 19, between verses 1 and 10. And where I stopped in the previous program was with verse 9, where it says, And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery, and whoever marries her who is divorced commits adultery. That's what he says in verse 9. Now, I want you to understand that this would be in violation, in contradiction with the law. In the law, a person can divorce his wife under any circumstance. He does not require her to commit sexual immorality or adultery. And in fact, as I explained in the programs that I produced previously on Matthew chapter 5, verses 31 and 32, that divorce was not the consequence for adultery. Execution was the consequence for adultery. That is a conflict, a contradiction with the Mosaic law. In verse 3, Matthew chapter 19, verse 3, the Pharisees asked the Lord Jesus, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? And the answer is, yes. That's what the law says. When Jesus says something different in verse 9, does that mean he is saying something different from the law? Well, if this is what it says, and actually it does not. It says something different, but you have to go to the language that this was written in to figure that out. The translation that we have here is wrong. He didn't say something that's wrong. It's what we have written here that is invalid. 
And the indicator that caused me personally to go and investigate this a little bit more is the fact that what Jesus says here in this version that I am reading, and of course any other version that we have available to us in English, that these versions are not right. They are invalid because Jesus would not speak against the law of Moses. I don't believe that he would ever say something contrary to the law of Moses. To say that sexual immorality or adultery is necessary for divorce is against the law of Moses. To say that if someone marries someone who is divorced, commits adultery, that is against the law of Moses. It is contrary to the law of Moses. So what does it say? Well, I explained in the previous program that the Gospel of Matthew was written in Hebrew and that it is very difficult to get copies of the Gospel of Matthew in Hebrew, but I do have one. And in Matthew chapter 5, it says something different in Hebrew than it does say in the English that we have. So also, it says something different in the Hebrew here in Matthew chapter 19, verse 9, than what we have here in the English. And so, I'm going to give you a approximate translation. This is, of course, not an official translation that I'm giving in this program. And so don't transcribe this without making a note that I'm just giving you a general description. One of the good things about this, though, is that this verse is not difficult to translate. It's not anything like what he wrote in Matthew chapter 5, verses 31 and 32. That was really hard. But what he wrote here is not so bad. He did a pretty good job with this. He didn't use any complicated words. He didn't throw any transliterated Latin into his sentences, anything like that. This is pretty straightforward. This is what it says. It says, I am saying to you, he who acts to leave his wife and he takes after her, if not for marriage, he is an adulterer. He is the man committing adultery. And he is taking upon himself the declaration that he is to be cast out or he is to be expelled, that he is to experience that as an adulterer. That is a general paraphrase of the translation. Again, it's very difficult to do a word for word because Matthew's Hebrew was not very good. I explained that in the previous program and why. I just want you to know that this is a reasonable approximation. Let me tell you in a general way, what he describes here. What he describes is a situation where a man leaves his wife. Now, when he says leaves his wife, he does not say divorce. He doesn't use the word for divorce there, not even the transliterated Latin word for divorce. He doesn't do that. He just says that the man leaves his wife, just leaves her. But then he takes after her in the sense that he attempts to have a intimate experience with her. But in doing so, he does not first seek her in the context of being married to her. And because of that, he is an adulterer. He is committing the act of adultery and he should be identified as such. Now, how does this fit in to the verses in chapter 19? I mean, what I just described is just simply a guy who decides to leave his wife for whatever reason, for any reason, and when he returns, he tries to take her as his wife in a relational experience, but he doesn't marry her first, he doesn't certify the joining together first, and so he's an adulterer. 
How does this fit in? Well, the way that this fits in is by understanding their question in verse 3. In verse 3, the Pharisees also came to him, testing him, and saying to him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? And of course, the answer is, yes, according to the law, for any reason. Please try not to think about what Jesus said in English. What I just explained to you is what he said in verse 9. Don't be distracted by what you read in English. Pay attention to what I'm telling you first. The question is, is it lawful? The answer, according to the law, is yes. That is the legitimate answer. But to use an expression, this sword cuts both ways. That's what Jesus does. He uses the sword in both directions. He says, effectively, yes, Moses permitted you to divorce for any reason whatsoever. But please understand the consequences of divorce. If you are divorced, you are not married. And so if you try to engage with your former wife as if you were married, then you are taking a woman who is not your wife And so you are effectively committing adultery because you have acknowledged that she is not your wife through your giving her a certificate of divorce. And so this is the deal. You've got it easy in the sense that you can easily divorce your wife, but here's the situation. If you can easily divorce your wife, you can easily be divorced from your wife. That's the point. That's what Jesus says here in verse 9, but you won't be able to see it unless you have access to the Gospel of Matthew in Hebrew. He says it can be just as easy for you to be divorced. In other words, if you've got a reason to divorce her, that also could be the very reason for which you could be declared to be divorced. You could easily be declared to be divorced because you left her Even though you did not officially divorce her, you still left her for a reason that you could have used in order to divorce her. And so technically, you know, you're probably divorced. You're divorced anyway. So if you come back to her, if you come back to her after you have left her for a reason for which you could have divorced her, then when you come back to her, what makes you think she's your wife? You've got an issue here. You want the freedom to divorce? Well, here you go. But in this freedom, you also have the freedom to be divorced. And if you are, if that is the case, then you have risk. You have the risk of engaging with a woman who is not your wife. Not anymore. In which case, you would be an adulterer. This is what he says again. In verse 9, a better approximation of what he is saying is this. I am saying to you, he who acts to leave his wife, and he takes after her, after he left her, if not for marriage, he did not marry her first. And you know, Matthew used a word that's constructed that describes the garments or the clothing, the wedding dress or the wedding train that she would have had. He did not take her. He did not go into her in the context of the clothing of the wedding. That's the word that he constructed. And then the word for adulterer is a word that he derived 
from the verb for adultery, he derived a noun, which was not used very often. It's very interesting to see how he constructed this, but he does get the thought across pretty well. He does. He says that this person is committing adultery because he may not have officially divorced her, but because he could have, he would have had the right to, he is engaging with her in a way that, in effect, he is an adulterer. And so the door swings both ways or the sword cuts both ways. There are many expressions that we could use in order to describe this situation that Jesus puts them in. Why does he put them in this situation? Why does he answer their question in this way? He does so to show them the risk that they face and the fact that, yes, They may need the mercy of God to the extent where they may be an adulterer and they need his forgiveness and mercy and grace. So what did they say in response to this? In verse 10, his disciples said to him, if such is the case of the man with his wife, it is better not to marry. Do you see that? If you understand what I explained to you about the proper translation of verse 9, It is only then that you can really appreciate what his disciples say in verse 10 when they say, if such is the case of the man with his wife, it is better not to marry. It's better for him not to marry because of the risk of him accidentally being divorced or because he is recognized by God as being divorced because of the law allowing him to divorce her under any circumstance. The risk is too great. At some point in their marriage, the husband might detest his wife, for example. And if he does, then according to Deuteronomy chapter 24, verses 3 and 4, he could divorce her just because he detests her. And so because of that, he may already be divorced according to God. And if he takes her as his wife, he will be an adulterer. Can you imagine the risk? Because the risk is so high. It is better for him not to marry. So what does Jesus say? He says in verse 11, But he said to them, All cannot accept this saying, but only those to whom it has been given. Why does he say this? You've got to understand the Pharisees in order to really appreciate this. You must understand them. The Pharisees lived They lived for the purpose of living in obedience to the commandments of God. That was their purpose in life. They really believed that they could be devoted to such an extent that they could be holy to their God, that they could obey His commandments. They really believed that. They were truly committed to that. And he says that this is going to be a little hard for you. You may not be able to receive this. It may be too hard for you to accept because while you may truly want to be devoted, you know deep down inside, deep down inside that you might accidentally commit adultery under this definition. And because of that, you will have to find some way to protect yourself. You will have to find some way to establish a boundary so that you don't come within the possibility of violating the Mosaic law. You do this with every command of Moses, so let's do it with this one also. Let's do it with this one too. The only way that they can possibly live in obedience to the commandments of Moses, 
The only way now that they can possibly live a life in such a way that they would not possibly come within the boundaries of committing adultery is to never marry. That's the only way. But there is another consequence to this. And this is why I believe Jesus said this in such a kind and merciful way. You know, he says, all cannot accept this saying, but only those to whom it has been given. All cannot accept this only to those to whom it has been given in the sense that if you can't accept this, then don't worry. It hasn't been given to you. Do you think he's talking about the English translation that we have here in verse 9 about if you, if you divorce your wife for any reason, then you are an adulterer. And if you marry a woman who has been divorced, then you are an adulterer. Do you really think that he's going to follow that up with, you know, it's only to those to whom this has been given. That's not what he's saying. He is saying to them that this is your situation. If you try to establish this boundary, if you try to live this way, if you live without being married, this is what the Pharisee would hear. He would hear that there is no way, according to the laws of the Pharisees, that you will be able to live according to the greatest commandment. The greatest commandment of God was that you marry and that you be fruitful and multiply. That you marry and that you engage in intimate relations with your wife and you have children. There's no way that you're ever going to be able to do that. You have now entered into a conundrum, perhaps. You have entered into a situation where if you try to do what you want to do as a Pharisee, if you try to establish that boundary, if you try to establish that law to keep you from violating other laws, you are truly, by default, going to violate other laws. And the greatest one of all, according to Pharisaical Judaism, is that you will not be able to engage with a wife and you will not be able to bear children. And that's why he goes on and talks about eunuchs. That's it. That's what he says here. It is as simple as that. When people go to Matthew chapter 19, verse 9, in order to get counsel concerning divorce and remarriage and adultery, folks, it's not there. It just isn't there. This is a lie. It's a deception. And it's only because of a bad translation. That's it. It's a bad translation from the Hebrew to the Greek to the English. That's it. It's as simple as that. The subject isn't there. This is not something that we are to turn to to try to find some guidance or instruction concerning our relationships with each other. It's not about that. It's about putting the Pharisees in a position where they are going to have to acknowledge that they have no hope outside of the mercy of God. It really is as simple as that. And he uses the subject of the law and divorce in order to address this issue that they need the mercy of God. He does not contradict the Mosaic law. Yes, a man can divorce his wife for any reason, just as a wife has the freedom to divorce her man, her husband. They have the freedom to divorce each other, and they have the freedom to remarry. But the reason for this is not because this is what God established from the beginning. The reason for this is because of the hardness of our hearts. It's because we are incapable of loving each other as God loves us. 
That's what it's about. And for that, I can now go into this other verse, which has to do with the hardness of a person's heart. Jesus told them in verse 8, he said to them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. Well, you know, in the beginning with Adam and Eve, there were a lot of things that were not so. I mean, there were a lot of things that were different. We didn't have to go out and work. We didn't have to go out and plow the field and pull the weeds and harvest the food. Women did not have to experience pain in childbirth. They did not have to experience a desire for their husbands or that their husbands would rule over them. We have the description of the curse of God after the fall. There were many changes, many changes that took place because of the fall of humanity because of the decision of Adam and Eve. And so you can't say that we're going to go back to the Garden of Eden, folks, because there's no way that that's going to happen. You can't say, well, in the Garden of Eden, there was no divorce, and so today there can be no divorce. You can't do that, because there are so many different changes that have occurred. There's just no possible structure. There's no possible application We are defiled in the sense that we have sin within us. We do not relate to each other in the way that Adam and Eve related to each other. We don't have the capacity for that. It is not possible. Yes, it's true that things were not like that in the beginning. And in the beginning, we could say that God put them together and so let no one take them apart. Absolutely. But God said they can be taken apart in the law. He gave his endorsement, he gave his law, he gave his command that the woman is free of her husband and the husband is free of his wife to the extent that, yes, they can be separated. And God did not do this in order to endorse sin. He did not endorse sin. He didn't say, well, because you guys just can't help it or because you guys are just such terrible sinners, I'm going to allow you to sin in this case. That is not what this is about. It really isn't. It's about the hardness of people's hearts. What does it mean to be about the hardness of people's hearts? Again, does this mean that he sees an individual who has a hard heart and he says, listen, I understand you have a hard heart. And so because of that, I'm going to allow you to go ahead and be a hard person and be a detestable person and be a person like this. And I'm going to say that because you want a divorce, you can go right ahead because I have to succumb. I have to give in to your hardness. Is that what it is? Absolutely not. He's not giving in to the hardness of people's hearts in order to endorse the hardness of their hearts. But this is how people read this. People read this that way all the time. I hear it all the time. People are saying, well, he allows divorce because, you know, he's got to, because we got a hard heart and he, you know, he's got to tolerate that. But that is not what this is. This is a statement by the Lord Jesus that says that God is merciful. Not merciful to the person who has a hard heart, Merciful to his or her spouse. That's why if a wife has a hard heart against her husband, then God is merciful to the husband. If the husband has a hard heart against his wife, then he is merciful to the wife. 
It's not the other way around. People make it sound like it's the other way around. It's not. He is merciful to the spouse who is the victim of the hardness of their spouse's heart. He does not say in the law that if your husband detests you, if he is disgusted with you, that you have to stay with him. He does not say that if your wife disrespects you, if she dishonors you, if she disgusts you, then you have to stay with her. He is merciful to the spouse who is sinned against. That is why he allowed divorce. He didn't give divorce as a way out for the person who wants to sin. He gives divorce for the spouse who is sinned against. This is where I will answer the question. Is divorce a sin or is it not a sin? No, it's not a sin. It has nothing to do with whether it is or it is not a sin. Folks, if you want to identify sin, there's plenty of places to find it. There are plenty of ways to identify sin. There's plenty of sin because we're sinners in that sense. We sin. We are not like Adam and Eve. We are born into this world spiritually dead without the Holy Spirit of God dwelling within us. And our life is a pure reflection of that fact to the extent where we have plenty of sin. And when we are resurrected through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit in salvation, we still have plenty of sin. There is plenty of sin to go around. There is no lack of sin. There's no reason to go looking for sin in order to justify divorce. If there is no sin, it is a miracle. It is a sign, a wonder. There must have been divine intervention. If there is no sin, it's not the divorce that's sin. It's how people treat each other that the sin exists. That is where the sin exists. It exists in the way that we treat one another in the marriage, out of the marriage, as we have relationships with people who we will never marry. There is plenty of sin to go around, folks. There's plenty of it. There is no need to go looking for it. It shouldn't take you very long if you know what you're looking for. God permitted divorce so that the one who is despised can be free. Even if they are despised for a legitimate reason, He still allows people to be free so they do not have to live their entire lives being bound to a person who may totally reject them. God has not called us to live a life in that way. And I will continue with this in the next broadcast. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net